0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis.
1: So good morning, Free Life Community Church. How are you this morning? And good morning to those of you at our Mecca campus, those of you listening online on our Facebook page, as well as those who are listening on our radio station. Glad to have you today. Uh, what, a, what a change we've had uh, from earlier in the week until now. Uh, you know, there's a little snow out there, but not a lot. The sun is shining. It's going to be 60 degrees tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have a little bit warmer weather than that, uh, even throughout the week. And then it's going to get cold again. Uh, you know, it's Indiana, and it is February. Uh, but that's uh, coming to a close rather quickly, which means, friends, you know that Lent is right around the corner, which it is. Uh, and then, of course, we have just uh, forty days uh, till Easter, and don't you know that's coming uh, in April? So a lot of things moving quickly, and it seems like we just celebrated Christmas not too long ago, but things go quickly in life, don't they? And and so because of that, we have to be on our game all the time. We have to be constantly looking at what is and what isn't, making decisions and adjusting. As necessary and over the past several weeks we've been in this sermon series of why do I need the church and it has been my aim from the very beginning uh, to show you that even though you probably know why you need the church maybe there are some reasons you need the church you hadn't thought of and I think maybe the ones that the Bible tells us are probably a little bit more important than ours amen because we're human in our thought process we're human in our desire and so we like the church for a specific set of reasons and maybe we're on the right path and maybe we like it for the right reasons but I also think we add some reasons in there that God doesn't have you considered that before we'll choose a church and think we need the church because we like the people we like the worship we like the, the where it is we like how it looks we like how it makes us feel all of those things but none of those are on the list of what God says that's interesting isn't it and so I had to come from a biblical objective and say, okay, God, why do I need the church? From your perspective, why do I need it? And I think that God has shown us that. And I could have drawn this out further, but there are six messages. This is message number four, and it has to do with better encouraging one another. We're better when we encourage one another. We started better together, then we were better when we prayed together, uh, and then we realized last week that we're better when we build the kingdom together. Now, today, we're better when we encourage one another. And you know what I found? Encouraging others isn't always easy. Especially if you don't like the other person. (laughs) What are you going to do? Encourage them to dislike you more? Treat you worse? Right? And are they going to accept encouragement from you anyway? Probably not. You see, this this is how we operate. So here's what we will do as people we will determine who we can encourage and put them on the encouragement list and those who we think we can't encourage on the other list, and maybe some people will go back and forth. How many of you in the last week encouraged somebody you don't get along with? Well, there's been a few of you, but most of you didn't, did you? You know why? Because that's human nature. Isn't that human nature? Say that with me. It's just what? yeah you know what the problem with that is we're supposed to get rid of the human nature and have a godly nature God encourages all of those who will seek him all the who will come to him it doesn't matter where they've been who they are what they've done what they haven't done he will encourage them he encourages those that haven't sought him he encourages those that don't even like him if they'll let him and so we will always be better in his kingdom if we encourage one another and don't worry about who the person is. Right? I mean, this is just common sense, but it's also very true. So, this passage explains a few things. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, this entire series has come out of Ephesians. Uh, I've exhaustively studied the book of Ephesians, uh, it is Dr. Coker's uh, personal favorite for a variety of reasons, and he and I have had just unbelievable discussions over it, seeing things that I hadn't seen before. Um, he, he said I showed him things he hadn't seen before, and he said, You know, I don't think I could ever get tired of studying the book of Ephesians because the entire book is all about encouragement, about the type of Christian you ought to be, and Paul says you can do it. And this is why you can do it. And so if you scroll down to Verse 17 in the chapter, you'll see it that is captioned somewhere, probably depending on the version you have, of some type of like an old life and a new, or running a race, or uh, becoming uh, a new person, or living in the light. It's going to say something because that's basically what it means. And this is what he says. And, and I, I need you to grasp here the depth of a couple of things that he is not going to allow us to deviate from. He said, so I tell you this. In other words, take notice. And then he says this, and I insist on it in the Lord. Wow. I thought, wait wait a minute. You don't insist on anything else so far. You're going to insist on this? Paul said, yes, I am. I'm going to tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. When somebody insists on something in the Lord, That tells me that God has given them a direct word for me. Anybody? Are you paying attention? If someone says, I insist on this in the Lord, what are they telling you? That this is for you, and God has said it. We should take notice. He says, you must no longer live as the gentiles do in the futility of their thinking now i know what you're thinking right now and probably what you're thinking is incorrect i'm going to explain that just a minute he's not talking about people that aren't born a jew he's talking about the unsaved the those those that don't have him and that's how he's captioned it okay he says this they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts i know people like that i know people like that that their hearts are so hardened toward christ and toward the things of god that they absolutely are futile in their thinking and they're and and i know they're intelligent people they're just ignorant to what god is who he is and what he offers right have you known somebody like that before they're just ignorant to that fact it doesn't mean stupid or dumb those are words we can't use there because it doesn't mean that it means they don't know they don't understand they haven't grasped it yet not that they don't have the ability they just don't have it and then he says this they have lost all sensitivity they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. I have found that I live in a society today that's just like that. The more you give them, the more they want. I watched, I watched our, our broadcasting on our television and our movie production go that way. They, they, they sample you with the things that they think maybe they can get away with and maybe there's some question about it, but people aren't going to get all bent out of shape about it. And then when they realize that nobody's going to throw up a fuss about that, they go further, and then a little further. And before you know it, you can have pornography on regular television. And don't tell me you haven't seen it, because I know that you have. Now, maybe some people say, well, that's not pornography. Well, you can categorize things any way you want to. We've had people in high office (laughs) say that that wasn't this and that wasn't that, when, in fact, everybody else thought it was. So you have to understand that what we think means nothing. What would God say about it? What would the Lord say about it? And so basically what's happened here, he says that they, they, they're going to want more no matter what. And then he goes to this. He says, you, however, meaning you and I, Christians, did not come to know Christ in that manner, in that way. That's not how you came to know him. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. In other words, the people he's talking about here aren't really Gentiles. They're Christians that are living like they're not Christians. They're living, they say they're Christian, but they're not living like one. Do you know anybody that says they're Christian, but you're not sure they're living like one? Okay. Have you looked in the mirror recently? You got to start there, or you you can't look at others. That's what Jesus said, yeah? Okay. So look at this then. You were taught with regard to your former life to put it off, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created, get this, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, why would Paul have to say in true righteousness and holiness? Because he knows the humans would make a decision and have an opinion about what we think righteousness and holiness is, just like we did about what's wrong or what's pornography and what's not right this is this is how we operate it it, it comes back to our own thinking Paul says can't do that you have to live the new self which is created to be holy and righteous like God is not your brand of it what God says it is and you know didn't Christ give us really the best example there ever would be on what that looks like therefore in 25 Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. He didn't say don't be angry. We've been taught that if you get angry as a Christian, you're sinful. No. But you can sin in your anger, can't you? Do not let the sun go down when you're angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. I wonder if we've thought about that today. It's easy to let Satan in a little bit, isn't it? You don't mean to, you don't want to, but unfortunately, he gets in there, and before you know it, he starts to widen the crack. Yeah? He who has been stealing must steal no more, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any, get this, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's difficult even as a Christian. Because you're going to determine what you think is unwholesome and what isn't. I myself have had that conversation. I have said things that I didn't think there's anything wrong with the word I used, and other people took exception to it. So you see, we all have a different opinion about what's unwholesome and what isn't. But if it isn't building somebody up, it probably is unwholesome, yeah? And let's face it, everything we've said about another person in the last 24 hours wasn't always building them up, and it certainly wasn't wholesome, was it? Amen? So Paul has something to say here, and that's why he says he insists on it in the Lord. He says, build others up according to their needs, that it may also benefit anyone who listens. So in other words, not only should you not talk poorly about somebody, when you're doing it, others around are going to hear it, even if you don't mean them to. And what will that do? You understand? But if you talk beneficially towards somebody, it's going to build up everybody that's hearing it. This is important to note and 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 you know what i had to do note to self here anybody got to do a note to self this morning okay he says and not only that do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption a lot to talk about there not going there this morning but you are sealed and that means you ought to be doing exactly what paul said not something else okay get rid of all bitterness (laughs) we could probably stop right there get rid of all bitterness Get rid of your, your rage and your anger. Anybody been angry and get, been on a, been a, lost in self-control in their anger? Huh? That's called rage? You might not call it that, but that's what it is. Amen? Uh, brawling and slander. Listen, you don't have to go down here to the teepee or some other barn and have a brawl and a fight to make it a brawl. You, see, you know what Paul's talking about. When we fight amongst each other, it becomes a free-for-all. That means we've lost control of our emotion In our action and anything will come out of our mouths and we'll do anything to make ourselves look right or we'll do anything to win. That's brawling. You understand? It's a free-for-all in here and in here. This is what he's talking about, okay? And slander, (laughs) it's easy to slander people. It really is. Even if you don't mean to, it is. Along with every form of malice. There's a word for you. I'm telling you, this week, everybody has some sort of malice towards somebody or something. Yeah? Probably accurate. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, friends, this passage explains some things, like I said. And what it basically tells us is that we we need, as a Christian, we should feel the need, because Christ is in us, and the Holy Spirit lives within us, we should feel this desire, this want, this need to encourage one another because He does. If He's living within us and all He wants to do is encourage others, then Him in us wants to encourage others. There's a need for it, a desire for it. You have to want to. And I, I have to be honest, if my attitude's poor, I don't feel the need. I don't even want to do it. I don't want to, let alone feel the need for it. Okay? And not only that, we are to reject our our old lives and realize the new life. And I have to look back on mine. I don't want anything to do with it. You know what my problem is? I know I don't want the old life, but sometimes I would like to take back parts of it. Has anybody been there before? You don't want the old life in its entirety, but maybe a few items out of it you wouldn't mind having back. Are we willing to be honest with each other here? Are we? Are we? He says you are to crucify your old nature and cultivate the new nature, that which makes you up, who you are. And in this regard, we all need encouragement because I'm going to tell you, it's hard to do that. Because you will desire to go back to some of those sayings, thinking there's no harm in one or two or three of them maybe. But before you know it, you slide away and you're doing it. I believe it is also true that once you get in the habit of something, it becomes the new normal for you, and you justify it. That's why I harp on people, come back to church, come back to church, come back to church, why? Because we get so comfortable watching from home in our jammies and our coffee, before you know it, we won't have any desire to ever come back. Now I realize that some people can't, they, they, there's a reason why they can't, I get that. But here's what I'm, I'm gonna admonish you, don't get so comfortable in something that goes outside of what God says you should do or be, and it's so comfortable for you that you will never do what God says. And before you know it, you've done it, and you don't know that you've done it. It's so simple and so easy. One of my favorite speakers and motivators is John Maxwell. Uh, Pastor Chris and, and uh, Jessica and I uh, went to uh, one of his seminars here just a, less than a month ago uh, over at the, uh, uh, at the, at the uh, invitation of my friend who is a chaplain of the Lawrence Police Department. And I know the chief over there really well, and they're good people, and he believes in this kind of thing. And so they put it on for law enforcement officers uh, and chaplains, and I can take people if I want to. And so we did that, and we went and we listened to what Mashwell had to say. And I personally, I, I got called out of there a couple times, I couldn't listen to all of it, but he's easily the, my favorite speaker in the whole conference, every time. And there were several. They were all good, but he was really good. And I remember one time, uh, and if you don't know who that is, he began his ministry in French Lick, Indiana. He's a Wesleyan pastor. He uh, eventually pastored our largest church at the time, which is Skyline in, in Southern California. It's not the largest anymore, the one in Atlanta is. Uh, but at one time, Skyline was, and he pastored it for a long time. In fact, probably put Skyline on the map. Uh, John Waxwell is a, is an incredible motivator. Uh, he is powerful in his approach to leadership. He's written several books, uh, and you've, I'm certain that you've probably heard some quotes of his books, even if you haven't read them. But he said once in one of his talks, encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. Friends, the Christian life can sometimes seem to be rather unlivable. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes what we perceive the Christian life to be, it seems unlivable, like we can't do it. I want you to think about it for a minute. Have you ever considered, maybe I can't really do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I know what the Bible says, and I know what other Christians say it is, but to tell you the truth, I look at myself, and I, I see the gap and the, the distance between me and what's supposed to be done and what's supposed to happen in my life, and I, I don't know if I can get there. I remember days like that. Sometimes I still still them. It's like you, you wonder if you can really do it. In fact, sometimes it can even seem like maybe it's unrewarding. Have you ever thought of that? I'm just being real with you here. Like, what's the use? (laughs) Right? And oftentimes, it can seem unbearable to be holy and righteous. Like, why should I continue? I fail and I fail and I fail. What's the point? And if that isn't enough, Our flesh our own evil desires seem to have such a demand on us you see there are times that we need encouragement and these are it when you feel like maybe this isn't worth it if you feel like you can't do it if you feel like what's the point or if you're ever going to get there in the Christian life the devil comes in and says then why do it you can fudge on this it's okay you're still a Christian I mean if you think you're a Christian then you're a Christian you know how I know that because We're looking for people to tell us that we're a Christian when maybe we're not. We're looking for people to tell us that we're righteous and holy. Maybe we're not. We want people to encourage us so we can set the bar lower and be what we think we are, even if God says we're not. As long as the result's the same, we're not sure we care. And God says, but it it doesn't work that way. It cannot work that way because my bar's here. And I sent my son to show you that it can be done. And it's going to have to be done. And if you want me to rise and smile and take you by the hand and say, well done, good and faithful servant, then be like him. That's what you have to do. And we look at Jesus and we're like, oh, my. Really? Okay. Okay, God. But it's going to have to be tomorrow. Because today, it ain't happening. I just... Have you ever had those days? It ain't happening today. I mean, we're actually doing that. We're actually telling God, I'll be holy and righteous tomorrow. And when tomorrow comes, we'll be holy and righteous if things go well and we can. Sometimes you have days in a week where you're not holy and righteous more than you are holy and righteous. And before you know it, it's months. And before you know it, the new normal starts to set in, and and you see where this is going? And it's during these times that we need each other. The Apostle Paul, after sharing all that the church was, all the church is and what it could be, he changes gears and challenges us to grow out of our old ways. Old ways of the flesh, old ways of our human desire, and to grow into our new walks of faith. And the thing is, and this is what I think we have to grasp here. I believe in progressive sanctification. I always have. There's been some pastors in the Western faith that used to tell me, no, I don't believe in that. Well, you can believe whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is nobody goes from this person to this person with with no in-between. Nobody. Because we're still learning what the new life is. I I love the excitement of a brand-new Christian, somebody who's given their life to Christ, but you and I both know that we got to come alongside them and and disciple them because they don't know really how to live it. They really don't. So I believe in this progression toward what God wants you to be. So that tells me that the transition from non-Christian to a saved Christian and beyond is a daily thing. We have to daily transition to be successful it's a it's maybe even a minute to minute thing because I've had days where maybe it started out kind of good and then before you know it, it went to pot like that anybody been there it's real it happens real fast and it could be one event that does it so the fact is I've got to constantly keep myself plugged in to the things that are important in the Christian life this never-ending transition requires encouragement from other Christians because if I don't get it i what am I probably going to do I'm probably going to baby myself and look for others to tell me I don't have to set the bar up here anymore and I can just, it's okay to fail. It's okay. Friends, it is never okay to fail. It's never okay to fall in the Christian life. I didn't say you're not going to do it, I said it's not okay. The only way it ever becomes okay is if you know, you've got to get back to the bar. And God gave you the way to do it. Because <laughs> if you give yourself the okay to fail, then you're going to give yourself the okay to stay there. And that's exactly what Satan wants. And that weakens the church. It weakens you. And it weakens others. Because then they say, oh, that's what a Christian is. I can do that. Yeah. Amen? Well, if that's what a Christian is, I can do that. So here's what we have to do. Number one, we have to encourage one another to stop rebelling against a righteous life. (laughs) Right? We have to hold each other accountable into the bar that Christ set forward. You see, rebellion always leads to disobedience. Doesn't it? If you think about it, it always does. And you know what disobedience leads to? Lostness. uh, Every time unless you stop it it'll lead there friends can anybody tell me why it's so hard to live a righteous life why is it so hard to live a righteous life why do we struggle so hard to be all that Christ has commanded us to be you see there's this real fine line between rebellion and lost And and friends, I need you to to go down the road here with me just for a second. And I want to go back in time a little bit. And I I need you to close your eyes for about 10 seconds. And I want you to picture in your mind this event where Satan determines in his mind in his heart that I'm going to be like the Most High. And he starts his rebellion. And his rebellion, my friends, when it begins in his heart and mind, okay, he starts his journey with rebellion to being kicked out of heaven. That's what happened. Rebellion led to his being kicked out of heaven, didn't it? It 100% did. There, there is no plan of salvation for Satan. If People have asked me that before. No, it isn't for angelic beings. It's for humanity only. You understand? Uh, we can talk about that another time. It's a theological question. But there's no plan of salvation for Satan. Nevertheless, he knew what the cost of his rebellion would be if he continued it. And now we all know. So he began his journey to being kicked out of heaven with rebellion. But there is a plan of salvation for humankind. And aren't you grateful today that there is? Anybody in here grateful that there's a plan of salvation for humanity? If you're listening, you should have had your hand up. Because... (laughs) Without it, you know what that, what that comes to. Now, the fact is, all humans are somewhere on the paths to either salvation or doom. Did you know that? We're all on the path to either salvation or doom. We're either going to go to heaven or we're going to go to hell. Everybody's on one of those paths. Now, you can change paths. You, 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 right? You, you, and and I, I tell you, if you're on the path to doom, I desperately implore you, that you will come over to the path toward heaven, which is salvation. You want to change paths, trust me. But you know the sickening thought is some people that were on the path to salvation have crossed over to the doom path. Now I know that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ and other denominations won't believe that, but the fact is the Bible in in Hebrews 6 tells me that you can, and there's other places, 2 Corinthians says it too. The fact is, and you know what, here's how I look at it. If it's possible at all, I don't want to be right, I just want to be on the right path that's where I'm at so we have a plan and we're either we're on one of these paths but Paul describes people without Christ as having what he says feudal minds they have hardened hearts they have calloused emotions and they have within them impure practices that's what happens and you know I have to tell you as a Christian at times and it didn't really matter where on the path I was whether I, I was just got saved or if I Consider myself now to be, you know, sanctified. There's a, there's a place here where no matter where I was on the path, some of these attributes describe part of my attitude. Have you had a calloused heart before? Have you been a futile mind? God was speaking, but you just would not listen? Have you had some impure practices or thoughts within you? Now look, see, you, you see where we're going here. And so the Bible is absolutely clear that these, this person, these people, they are naturally born into sin. You understand that? We're all naturally born into sin. They have a desire to sin, and we are bound by sin. That's humanity. That's who we are. The prophet Jeremiah said in the New King James Version, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately wicked. And I chose that version because of the word. It is desperately wicked. That means we want to be wicked. And then he says, who can even understand it? In other words, if God is here and your heart is so desperately wicked that you could have God and everything he offers, why would you desire not to have him? Why would you? But we are. The world is. Why? And I ask you again, why is it so hard to live a righteous life, even after you get saved? Why? Why? You see, when we get saved, it means that things have been, have been revealed to us. God has revealed to us the things. See, we want other things, but God's saying, no, no, no. I, I want to I reveal those things to you, but right now, you've got to learn this. I want to reveal this to you. I want you to understand why this happens. I want you to understand the things of living a Christian, a Christian and righteous life. Understand that first. You see, the, the fact is, you will always choose darkness. That's what God is telling humankind. You will always choose darkness. You will always choose those things that are self-centered or evil-centered, even when they seem innocent. You will choose them. I know you will. Because anything outside of me is rebellion toward me. And you're like, what? No, 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 God, I'm not rebelling." Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I mean, could you, could, you, could you see yourself having that conversation? God says, you're, you're, you're beginning your rebellion toward me, and you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> when someone, a person comes to us and says something we don't want to believe, we say, no, 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 it's not. No, we don't, and we feel comfortable doing that, but do we do it with God? Because I think we do. I think we have. But you know what? I've gotten to the point now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more eloquent in the way I talk to God that way. I don't say, no, I'm not. And I I tell God, what do you mean by that? Come on, God, what do you mean by that? Have you found yourself doing that? And the more I thought about this, I thought, wow. Yet here he is making a way for us to stop our rebellion, to desire righteousness in him, right? To come home to his kingdom, but we're going to have to Determined to stop our rebellion and accept his lordship. Satan did not do that. And I'm afraid we might not either. Because this is the only way we can be righteous as God is. Because a righteous life is a a life of constant surrender and submission. And I have to tell you, I don't get up every day with this thought in my mind, I'm going to surrender and submit. I guess other things on my mind, what I have to do that day. But if you start it with surrender and submission toward God, I think you're going to have a better chance of being holy and righteous that day. You see, when we surrender and submit to the laws and the commands of God, we, we become what we call reborn. That's salvation, isn't it? We're redeemed. We're regenerated. We're made new. But we have to remember that even though we become this new person, sadly, and I need you to take note of this, even though you became a new person, sadly, the old person is still available to you. Have you thought about that you become this new person but the old person and the old ways i dare say are available to you and they're right there all you have to do is choose them that's all it takes is for you to choose this is like do i or don't i when you're when you're looking at the interest to starbucks it's the truth i've actually done that i know i'm not supposed to drink that stuff but for some reason that Mocha calls my name. It does every time. I, and sometimes I want to tell them, oh, and by the way, I'll make the order, oh, and by the way, how about a double shot? How many of you are double shot people in here? Anybody double shot person? Come on, admit it. OK? So you think, well, it's not that simple. Yes, it is. I can choose at that moment to drive in or not. And even when I'm in the drive-through, which I shouldn't be in, now I've got another decision. Am I gonna get the whole milk, the two percent, or am I gonna get the skinny? Because <laughs> you know the skinny never tastes as good as the other two. Am I right? And then you've got this dilemma, you know, double shot of chocolate or or <laughs> whipped cream or no. <laughs> right? Whipped cream or no. Now so now some of you are thinking, I wish he'd get done so I could run out to Starbucks. <laughs> or wherever else I go. Why? Because it calls our name. Right? Doesn't it, Lou? we right? honey wouldn't we go we're there see but the problem with it is we I, I think if we look at this we we look at food and other sorts of things this way but we don't look at the Christian life righteousness and holiness versus the old, the old self we we don't and we have to because it's right there the old self is still available to you isn't it you need to drive right on by And then you need to turn away from it. But sadly, we don't always do that. You know why? It's called free will. It's called free will. And we get to choose. Sometimes we'll choose the old person in the old ways. And Paul says, I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You can't. Now, I realize this might seem a little confusing to you, for Paul absolutely went to the Gentiles to bring them salvation. So he's not talking about a race of people. What he's saying is we're not to live as the unsaved do. He labels the unsaved as Gentile outside because every person, whether you're born a Jew or not, doesn't make any difference. When you come to Christ, you are automatically adopted and regenerated into God's family. And you are God's chosen as a Jew. Amen. Every one of us. We're a part of his chosen na- nation, his chosen seed, Israel's race. Yeah, that's who we are. In Christ we are. So he was speaking to the Ephesian Jews in this passage. A person in Christ should not look, should not think, should not act like a person who is outside of Christ. That's what he's saying. And that's difficult for all of us. And, and I can tell you this, it's nearly impossible alone. friends I need you I need you to grasp this for me you're a new creation in Christ but the old self is still available and unfortunately you choose it sometimes and if not the whole life bits and pieces of it we've all done it that's why God says you need to eradicate it I don't even you know it's almost like you get a brand spanking new name to everything and you do it's called Christian So we're here to encourage one another, to pray for one another, that we won't have these futile minds, these hardened hearts, these calloused emotions, these impure practices, that those who are outside of Christ, get this, naturally display. It's a natural thing to them. It was for you and it is for them. God had to transform you when he came in, didn't he? So that you're not that person anymore, that's the key. Secondly, not only do we encourage one another to stop rebelling against a righteous life, We have to encourage one another to fully embrace a surrendered and regenerated life. I think think this is the transition that might be the toughest. We desire it, but we're not sure we can give up the old self. You see, here's the key, though, and I need you to understand this. And yes, some people might not agree with me, but I'm going to tell you this. If you are not regenerated, you are not saved. If God hasn't regenerated you into a new new person, if you're not wiped with a clean slate and, and given a new life, then you are not saved. You can't do a, a makeover. That, you do that in your house. You might do it in your car. You can't do it in your life. Now, can, you know, ladies, I know sometimes you go do what they call a total makeover, whatever it is. You know, when you go in, go, uh, glamour, glamour shots, wasn't that it? and things like that okay but that's still the exterior outside but it never changed anything in here did it wasn't designed to but God when he transforms and regenerates what's it designed to do change everything right and aren't you delighted that he changes everything cuz I cuz sue here okay sue says I don't want to be that way. there are times in my life I don't want to be that way anybody I'm thinking God you got to help me here I Lord help me I don't want to be that way I used to not care but I do now has anybody gotten there I don't want to be that way and so when Paul begins to speak of putting off the old self he's talking about this regeneration and regenerated means to regrow or be remade and when Paul speaks of coming to know Christ of hearing Christ when he speaks and being taught by the Christ well Paul's saying that you're being regenerated when you want these things from Christ when you want to hear his voice you want to do what he says you want to seek him and find him all the time that's when you're regenerated because you had no need for Christ before you were regenerated did you but now you have an absolute need for him see the difference this is what we're talking about here so when we're regenerated we're not the old self we can't be because we're a new self aren't we if you're a new self you're not the old self Which means we can't be anything like the old version of ourselves. We can't be inclined toward or involved with the things that consumed us before Christ came into our hearts. Because now we're to be consumed with the things of him. And wouldn't that be something if every Christian would be consumed with the things of God? What would happen in the church if every Christian became consumed with the things of God? Sadly, we aren't. I question the regeneration and if it's gone past that then I question this transition every day that we're talking about right God has to regenerate part of my heart every single day he has to do it in yours too why because that's what he does so you have to understand this isn't just automatic and it is isn't ever gonna be easy That's why we have to encourage one another to embrace this regenerated life. In fact, as we said earlier, it's difficult to leave the old life completely. And I have to tell you, most Christians don't. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I know I said it. And sometimes, you know, I feel God prompting me to say things, and I'm like, are you you sure you want me to say that? God, they're not going to like that. Nobody's going to like that. God said, I know they don't, but I need them saved, and I need them regenerated, and I need them with me, and you're going to need to say it because that's more important than anything they'll do to hurt their feelings. You see? And sometimes God will say, you don't want to say it because you don't like it. Yeah, It's true. it's true a time or two. And the fact is, friends, it's difficult to leave the old life completely, and a lot of times Christians don't. We leave it mostly, but not completely. And we determine our Christianity based on how far away from it we've gotten. You can't. It's a, total, it's a total split from it. Complete. There is this process where we know certain things need to go, so we get rid of them. And then, then we find in this Christian life that other things are a little bit more difficult to remove. Has anybody done that? It's like laundry. I, I speak in, in relative terms here because I, I, I'm, I'm learning to do that. I, it, it's hard for me, but I'm, bear with me here. So it's like laundry. Anybody who's ever done laundry knows that certain stains come out easy and some don't come out at all. And you will find all sorts of different things, and you may rewash, but if you dry the thing before you do it, it's there. Anybody with me here? Ladies, am I right? Any guys who do laundry, you, right? So and cert- and you'll have your, your go-to brand that you'll use. Tide says they get out everything. I don't think they do. You know, spray and wash doesn't always help. Goo gone, that's some good stuff, but don't plan to have your color still there when you use it. (laughs) Didn't tell you right now. And don't anybody say, you owe me because I use goo gone and it destroyed. No, I didn't tell you to do that. I know it'll, it'll come out, but so will the color. So the fact of the matter is, the stains, some are hard, and it's like that in Christian life. Certain things you can get rid of because it's no big deal. You get them out, but then there's other things. They're, they're pesky or what we call stubborn. And we, we struggle to get rid of them, you see. And so here's what we do. We, we find that either we like them or we're used to doing them. And then now we're thinking, how do we justify it? How do I keep this? and when people question it say well you know right but it isn't the people you should be concerned about because God is asking you does that really belong in a regenerated life does it that's why I say it's difficult to leave the old life completely and that's why most Christians don't because there are certain things about the old life that they want to keep with them and maybe we'll let it go at first and then as we get in and we became kind of you know used to the christian life now we'll go back and say Well, oh, this one won't hurt that one won't hurt and god said but unless i have all of you see, unless i wash all of you 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 you, you can have no part of me do you really need that stuff to be there And so the only issue here is that God not only wants every part of us, he also wants, get this, our very best. He doesn't just want all of you. He wants your best. Does, is some people's best better than another person's best? Maybe. And we concern ourselves with that more than just giving our best. ever notice that. Why would we do that? If you're giving your best, that's all God's asked of you. Just make sure it's your best you see and so this is how we determine a lot of this does God really have all of me I mean you got to be honest and am I am I really giving God my absolute personal best am I doing that or have I reserved my best my best efforts my best work my best giving do do I reserve any of that for me (laughs) because I'll bet you if you do an evaluation you'll find that you have friends we have to decide that our lives are completely about the Christ. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay it out there. This is what Paul's saying, but more than that, you know what he's right. You know why? Because Jesus said it. God says it. You you have to understand and get into your own head and your own heart and decide that your life is going to be completely about the Christ. Because this is one of the ways that we know that we're saved. If you're honest with yourself and you know that your life is completely about Christ, well then you can rest in the truth that you are not only regenerated, but you are continually surrendering. I know I have to surrender things. Right? The Bible tells us that if we love him, what will we do? Obey his? We'll obey his? We'll obey his? Whose commands? Okay. Are you sure it says that? Are you guys at home? You guys... Watching, are, are, Do you believe that that's what, well, there's only one way to find out, and that's getting the word of God, and I assure you, you'll find it, it says it. But when we're more about our own business, as we typically are, even as a Christian, the business of our family, the business of our spouses, the business of our children, and the business of others, when we're pursuing success in our jobs and other places, when making money seems to be a priority to us, and when anything in the secular realm becomes the focus of our lives, and I'm gonna tell you that it does, then we are not completely about Christ. It isn't that God doesn't want you to make money, it isn't that he doesn't want you to focus on your children or your husband or your spouse or even yourself. It isn't that he doesn't want you to have passions about things. He's just saying, I want you to be completely about me, because if you are, I will show you in what manner and way and the amount of attention every single one of these things has that still honors me while doing good at them. That's what he tells us. Now, I know it's easy to do. It's easy to do what you want and tell yourself it's all about Jesus. I know it is. I've done it. And so have you. But if we're honest, we know it isn't true. We know it isn't all about Jesus. And God knows how difficult it is to make our lives all about him. You you do know that he knows that, right? God knows it's difficult to make your life all about him, which is why he uses the Apostle Paul to instruct us and encourage us to encourage one another. To live completely in christ to trust completely in christ to grow completely in christ and to serve completely in christ because if you're doing that then you're serving all these other things to the best that you have and he's a better judge of how much they ought to get than you are you see with each other's encouragement we can live a life that's filled with the spirit according to john 15 1 to 8 and we can live a life that's filled completely and even overfilled with the things that God wants us to have you see I I, I don't want God to just give me you know I, I you know what really bugs the snot out of me Let me tell you what when I when I when I go to a restaurant and I'm getting a cup of coffee and sometimes I really really want that cup of coffee. I'm not talking about coffee a lot today so or maybe maybe it's a soda and they come over and they and they and they leave this much of a gap in it no no wait a minute if you if you only fill my cup three-quarters in about Five minutes, I'm gonna want you to come back, and you're not gonna do it. Fill it up. I can't stand anybody. Is that any pet peeve for anybody? Yeah. And you know, friends, God wants to fill you to the brim and over. He wants to overflow it. Now, we've all poured soda before, and you want to get it to the top, but what do you do? Pour too much, and what happens, especially with root beer. What happens? Okay? And you're like, no, no. So then you grab it, you, you try to suck the top so it doesn't do it. Are you, whatever you're gonna do. But in but see, God says, but that's what I want to do in you. I want to fill you till you're overflowing with me. And it's not a messy thing, it's a good thing. Right? It's, it's, an, it's an ever and over overabundance of everything. I want that. I want to give it to you. And when we have, friends, what God wants us to have that's when and only when we forget all about the things that we wanted you you see because what god gives will be fulfilling to us (laughs) according to what jesus tells us in john 15 9 11 and more than that we can live a life that completely exudes christ and others not only see it they will know it and that's what christ was talking about in john 15 altogether I'm not going to read it to you, but it's a good reference for you. And so I began to think about that and I thought, okay. So, what we have to do here then is encourage one another and hold one another accountable to this regenerated and surrendered lifestyle. We simply can't do it alone. None of us can. And that's why our life groups are so desperately important. That's why. If you wondered why your pastor has been so adamant that you get into a life group in your church, this is why because you're trying to do it alone, and you can't. And you can't get the encouragement that God wants you to have just coming on Sunday morning. In fact, there's an awful lot of gaps in here today. And there, if you know, right? So there are some people that didn't even get this today. But those of you who are here in attendance, this isn't enough for you. You need a life group where you can talk things out with one another and encourage each other it's important that we do that remember Paul said our hearts are what desperately wicked to counter this we must take what I call desperate measures if your heart is desperately wicked then do desperate things to change it right fight desperate with desperate in other words desperately desire Christ desperately desire righteousness and holiness Encourage one another and yourself to be the people that God wants. Because if we don't, we're going to fail. And friends, failure in this is going to be disastrous. Thirdly, we have to encourage one another to engage in the renewed Christian lifestyle. You see, who you are will always show in your attitude, your thoughts, and your beliefs. (laughs) Right? We don't want to admit it, but... It it, it does, though. See, it shows. It shows in your life. It shows in what you do, how you spend your time, who you hang out with, what you do and say when you think nobody is looking. Yeah? Even when you talk to yourself and you didn't think anybody heard you. And let me tell you something else, too, by the way. If anybody in here tells tells me they don't talk to themselves, I'm going to tell you right now, you do. You're lying, straight up. Why? Because it's psychologically normal to do that. You may do it in a variety of different ways. I personally do it a lot because I'm—that's how I think things out. You know, and especially if I'm reading something, I will read it and then I'll reread it and I'll say it in my out loud. Has anybody done that? You read and say it out loud, yeah? Because now I can sort of. Certain types of people do that because if they hear it, but you can't hear it from somebody else. You have to do, hear it in your own voice to get it. Anybody do that? It's strange, but it is okay. So we 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 talk to ourselves. But when you're talking in a manner when you think nobody's looking, remember what comes out. You see, in these verses, we're instructed to destroy the former way of life. We used to function through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, according to what uh, John says in in the first chapter, or the, the, the second chapter of 1 John. In fact, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, I'm not sure about you, but remember the two paths, the one toward heaven, the one toward doom? Which one are you on? If you're on the doom path, get off and get on the right one. Remember, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 says we're dead in our sin. It says we're directed by Satan. It says we're dominated by our selfish desires. But now, Paul says, you must encourage one another to destroy, eradicate, put to death, however you want to call it, the former way of life with the old person that you once were because you're no longer there anymore. That person is gone. And now you are to engage in what? The renewed life. Here's why. You get a second chance, a brand spanking new opportunity. And I have to tell you this, friends, I'm not an artist. In fact, my stick figures are deformed. But I'm going to tell you this the new lifestyle gives you this brand spanking new canvas to paint. You can't go back in your life and change the things that were wrong with it, that you wish you could go back and change. But what you can do is start today with a brand new canvas, a beautiful new ending, and an amazing legacy. You see, engaging in the renewed life is constantly putting on the new self. When you put on the new self by constantly taking Scripture, and Scripture to me is like food. You know, you, you have to have food to, to, to live, yeah? You can live without food for so long, and then you won't. But somehow we think we can live a Christian life and never take in sustenance from the Scripture. When, 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 I, when I know people, who are in the christian faith say they're christians but they tell me they've never read the bible all the way through mm-hmm. i'm thinking really now I, I look if you got saved yesterday no i know you haven't but could you read it through in a year yes in fact there's programs out there where I help you do that R- the, read the bible what is it pastor bob you read the bible in, in one full year right? It? right And it's just a few verses a day am i right? right so who in here couldn't read the bible through in one year Some of you can read it through a couple times in a year. The fact is, if you don't, you don't want to. We we don't want to admit that, and we don't want anybody to tell it to us either. But it's true. You can't live without food, and you can't live without the Scripture in the Christian life. And neither can the Christian say they don't need it. We have to understand that dying physically isn't pleasant to think about, but dying spiritually is for good. Do you, do you get that? It's for good. The sad thing is that many Christians are absolutely dying spiritually, and either they don't know it or they don't care. I'm not sure which anymore. You see, the new lifestyle gives you this opportunity to rebuild your life the right way. You wanted a chance to go back and change some things. You can't forget about that. But in this, in God, you can. You see, you can right all wrongs. When you become this new creation in Christ, you can spiritually start again, build it the right way. And you can only do that by implementing the truth of the word as God teaches and commands you. Friends, you know, as we engage in scripture and obey scripture, we see Christ more and more. And in turn, the more we see Christ, the more we become like Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians three seventeen to 18, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I've seen people who had the glow of glory because of Christ that lived within. So I know we can do it. Lastly, we must encourage one another, get this, to show off the new and refreshed life. Now, I know it's kind of strange to hear pastors talk about showing off. But friends, I I want everybody to know the changes in me. We desire to know people or have people know our accomplishments, don't we? We like it when people ask us, well, did, where'd you graduate from? What'd you what, what 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 was your degree in? What did you, you know, right? What did you accomplish? Shouldn't we want people to know what God has done in us? I mean, what would that do? You know, telling people where you graduated with your grade point average and what it was might not do a darn thing for anybody. But they see what Christ is doing in you, that will transform the world. That's the difference. So we're going to have to be excited about what God does in our lives. Now, Paul gets practical in this section. He says, instead of lying, let's speak the truth. Instead of stealing, let's give give to those in need. Instead of escalating a situation, sure, let's get angry, but let's use self-control and not sin. There's a thought. Instead of being resentful, let's forgive those who offended us. Instead of speaking slanderous words, nasty, wrong, or unkind words, let's speak faith words that build up those who might hear us. Not just toward the person, but those around you who will hear it. See, this is what he's talking about. Now, some of your non-Christian friends, I'm going to tell you, they're going to see things differently than you do. You see, this new life is going to come at a price. It always does. But the benefits, I dare say, outweigh everything. Your non-Christian friends won't necessarily like your changed life. Has anybody come to Christ or made a a new commitment to Christ and their life began to change and some of the things they used to do they knew they couldn't do anymore, they're uncomfortable with it, and they had friends and their friends like, what's the matter with you? Huh? Has anybody been there before? I've seen it more times than I can count. Do they ever understand? No. No, they don't. How could they? They don't have it. So they're, not go- they're naturally not going to like it because they want you to be the person you used to be. The problem with this is the person you used to be isn't going to heaven, you understand. And neither will they if they don't change. So why would we conform back to the old person that they want us to be? How about not get them to come to the new life that we have so that they can go where we're going? Isn't that a great concept in Christian life? You see, this is what we're talking about. And I'm sure we've all dealt with this. Taking this high road is never going to be easy, I assure you. It never has been. And that's why we need to encourage one another to exemplify this refreshing life. You see, our lives are like, and for lack of a better analogy, they're like elevators. We're either taking people up or we're taking people down. I got that one time, I, Beth and I went to a, uh, a hotel, and I can't remember what city it was in. It was in a large city, and they actually had a person in running running the elevator. Remember that guy in a funny-looking suit? You remember that? You don't remember it? I do. <laughs> and so he he asked us what floor. I was trying to, and the guy kept, he had white gloves on. He wouldn't let me touch the elevator. Because it was his job, take people up and down. I've never seen that before. And I thought to myself, that's all he does all day long. Take take, take people up, take people down. And the more I thought about that, I realized sometimes without being an elevator man and pushing any buttons, I take people up or I take them down. And it's not even my job. And yet Satan is standing there saying, yep, keep taking them down, keep taking them down, take them down. That's it. Down, down, down we go. You get on his elevator it's always down it only goes down only goes down you see what kind of an elevator person are you up or down refresh your life in the presence of other people so you always are taking them up they're always go. it's always up you see many Christians I think try to live both lives can we no not only can it not be done because the bible says that good and evil cannot coexist but if we do it then we're not really changed are we if you're trying to coexist with evil are you are you changed no i i get the great intent the good intent behind The stickers on the back of cars that say and have all the different symbols for all the religions and say can't we just coexist and sadly no we can't they're not understanding what that means they're not asked they don't understand what they're asking me to do they're asking me to get in the elevator and go down I can't I can't but I want to get those other people into my elevator and it's going up amen that's what I want coexist They don't understand it. Coexist only happens if you are in Christ, because existence is only going to be in Christ. Amen? And to coexist with Him, you have to be a Christian. And that is how you coexist. They're looking at it in finite terms here on earth, and it will not work. Great concept, great intentions, but it leads to down. It leads to death. And we can't. Jesus said. You can't. I'm going to use his. I'm going to twist his analogy a little bit. I'm admitting it. He said you can't love. You can't serve two masters. That's what I want you to focus on today. He was talking about God and money. The love of it. But the fact of the matter is the two masters I can't get out of my head. You will love one and hate the other. Who's your master? And as our worship team comes, this is what I would say. Let us encourage one another to evade this rebellious life. To stop serving the rebellious life. We should embrace the regenerated life. We should engage in the renewed life. And we should exemplify the refreshing life. You know why, friends? Because encouragement is something we need. And it is indeed oxygen for the soul. Maxwell is right. He usually is. But the fact is, Jesus said it in a different way long before Maxwell ever did.
0: Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.